Hilary Robertson. Welcome to the latest episode of Harmonious World. This time, I'm joined by acclaimed guitarist Todd Mosby. Todd's latest album is called Aerial Views. It's the third in a series of concept albums based on the elements. And this one focuses on air. The album's produced by the legendary Will Ackerman and Tom Eaton and features a cast of world-class musicians, bassist Tony Levin, drummer Jerry Marotta, percussionist Jeff Haynes, multi-instrumentalist Premick Tubbs on soprano saxophone and Eaton himself playing the Fender Rhodes keyboard. Mosby's fascination with Indian music is evident in this album. Each of the tracks focuses on the album's overt theme with various combinations of instruments. What's particularly fascinating about this album is that it started from 500 initial ideas, some of which were complete, some were incomplete. And then Mosby honed that down to 32 tunes, which he submitted to Will Ackerman, and they were then further pruned down to the final selection. And every composition was written specifically for this album. Some of the tunes were even toured in the last series of concerts in January 2020. I began this recording with the opening of Earth and Sky, and I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. Hi. Oh, hey, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Welcome to Harmonious World. And, uh, you know, the concept of this is that if people share what they're good at, the world would be a much better place. And I think <laughs> <laughs> more than anything, we need that right now. I like that, yeah. 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 So can you talk to me a bit more about aerial views and um so it's the third in a sequence of albums yeah they're based on the elements so the first one was based on you know mountains in the land or earth uh the second one was based on water the ocean and actually it goes into a uh, story of um a musical story of atlantis uh and a journey outward from you know that that continent or mythical land or whatever and then um and all and then this one is based on air or the element of air and um so so all, all the titles on all the songs for all the albums have been you know wrapped around that the the music line has been developed around that so it's kind of like a, a tone poem in that sense or a program music in that sense if you want want to call it like that yeah kind of like what, what wc you know back in the day uh program music around the early 1900 late 1800s early 1900s to maybe 1930 or so about program music was very big so um that's where you base music on a theme and just kind of develop it like that so you go to hear a concert and it's you know everything is geared towards that storyline even I wrote a bunch of haikus as well that accompany them. And the Ariel Views one, I didn't, but the other two have short haiku that um, accompany each tune as well to the, for added description and storyline. Brilliant. And there's something about perspective, isn't there, with this album, that it feels like there's a, you know, different way of looking at things. Oh, absolutely. When you're above ground, your vision, you know, obviously you've got, you know, um, a broader sense 
your your vision and viewpoint is expanded immensely as opposed to being on the ground you know and actually digging your hands in the dirt i mean it can you can go inward equally as deep but when you're looking above you see more of the uh uh macro cosm of things as opposed to you know a microcosmic view so yeah and earth and air actually is probably the most important element i mean you can live a you know few days or weeks without water you know a few weeks without food but air you know eight minutes six minutes you're gone <laughs> so it's one of the very important element um, that most people take for granted i think right yeah yeah um so i'd love to talk about your um your relationship with indian music where did the, this sort of fascination with indian music where did that come from um, I, it started when I was probably about 13. There was a store not far from where I lived. And we used to go, you know, as a kid on the weekends, you know, go into uh, the town and you could walk around and for kids is, they didn't have outdoor malls and so, <laughs> our indoor malls, but, uh, but they had little townships and we would go into this township nearby our home and just uh, hang out. And this, there was this one store that uh, he was an importer. He had a whole bunch of stuff from, India basically and I'd go in and he'd have all this really cool incense he'd have incense burning and all these cool books and music playing and so I would save my allowance and rifle through his Indian collection and uh, pick up music you know by tabla players serenge players sitar players and so that was my first introduction to that and I started reading Cahill Gilbron you know getting into eastern philosophy prayer meditation that kind of stuff fast forward about you know 10 20 30 years about 20 years or 25 years and then uh i was working at washington university um doing dance class accompaniment for modern dance and uh a teacher imrat khan was you know coming into town to teach at the university so i was able to monitor a class there and i always had a deep interest in indian music and i monitored his class and learned so much in that one semester about music than I had up until that point, you know, I thought, oh my gosh. So I wanted to study with him to get more access to his knowledge base. And I just approached him afterward and said, can I start studying privately with you? He said, sure. You know, um, I said, I, I didn't want to play sitar. I wanted to play guitar because, you know, at the time I was earning my living as a guitarist. And I, I, you know, that's my instrument. I love the sound of it. And I knew that it, I could adapt it to whatever and so did Imran. So that started that long, that journey um, of formal study, which lasted uh, approximately 13 years. I found it interesting that you you use elements of Indian music, but in a, in a very kind of Western guitar. Yeah. Okay. So what happened was uh, about seven years into my studies, um, he had totally helped me with my technique, my right hand. Because uh, I always had problems with that, so and and I was also running sound for uh, um, Indian concerts in St. Louis as well. I had a sound system, and for some reason, I started getting hired to do sound. So I saw a whole bunch of uh, live Indian music, you know, in St. Louis because they had a really good. They still do um, Indian community here. So I went to Emirat and said, if I want to get into the deeper aspects of this music, I need to understand the sympathetics took a while we found a tuning for the guitar that would cross over 
you know, from Western to Eastern. And uh, I used that for a number of years. Um, I actually did a tour with Russia with this dance company. You know, I was performing also helping them out with sound and audio and stuff. Anyway, I said, look, I need to be able to access the sympathetics on the instrument in order to get into the more deeper philosophical aspects of the music and, and sonic aspects, because without the sense, that's what makes the music, the music. I mean, essentially um, the instrument fires uh, the sympathetic strings. And so what that means is um, it creates this natural harmony and also spurs the rag on as you create, you know, melodies based on the rag and the, the sympathetic strings start firing and that it's, you know, one kind of feeds the other. So, um, so I had a, a guitar luthier that I knew uh, um, in Chicago. He was already doing designs. So I had him come to St. Louis and then um, Emrat, myself and him got together and we started working on uh, prototypes for this instrument. I'm, I'm into about prototype number seven now and yeah, I've finally gotten to the point where I, you know, I love the sound, you know, it's, it's working for me really well. The sound is amazing. I found a tuning that works amazingly. It's a very inspirational tuning and it's an acoustic instrument, you know, arch top instrument. And then I also have an electric instrument that I use as well. Um, that was designed back in 2004 and that's been a very successful design solid body. And both of those sound amazingly together, especially on this recording. There's a couple, there's about four tunes where I use both of them in conjunction and it's a really nice blend. Um, yeah, I mean, overall the, the, the sound is, is really interesting and it is really ethereal. There is something very air-like about it, about the blend of sounds. Yeah, um, I think Tom and Will saw this thing and they they just you know they jumped all over it they loved how it sounded how it played you know it's the only instrument like that and and tom the engineer and producer tom eaton um really knows how to mic that thing now to really get it to sound amazing and so does will too i mean will understands the sound of it now and it's we've been using it very successfully over the last three recordings i did with them that's eagle mountain uh open waters and this one aerial views Right. And uh, I saw something that said that you went into the recording process with hundreds of sort of finished and unfinished ideas and, and you had to hone them down. Yeah, that's the normal process. Like usually right after recording, I'll, uh, I'll just have a spur of things for the next recording. And uh, this particular one, I, you know, little bits of ideas. I, I'm not high tech at all when it comes to this. I used to be, but I just, I hang a little microphone, you know, a little uh, tape recorder like this, <laughs> you know, a little handheld yeah. <laughs> <digital> <laughs> recorder. And uh, I've got my um, looping stuff. Like this is my looping board. I don't know if you see that. Oh yeah. And then my processors and this is my electric rig here. You know, and I have a little sound system. Right. And uh, I play it back. I jam to it or, you know, I come up with a nice idea uh, or chord progression usually. And then uh, I run it into my looper if I like it. I start usually within about two or three passes. I come up with the melody and then I wind up putting that on my recorder and filing it until I need it. Um, And then, you know, one or two years down the road, I'll wind up um, 
rifling through the ones that, you know, I think would work for a series of recordings and um, contact Will and say, I'm ready to go again. And then we go through the process. I send him, I whittle it down to about maybe 30 finished pieces. Some are already finished. Some need to be work on, worked on. And then I send that to Will and Will listens to it, gives me feedback. And then we whittle it down again to maybe 15. Uh, I, you know, I take his recommendations and then send that back to him. And then we whittle it down to about 12. And, and then we're ready to set a record date and track date and start like that. Right. And then you get everybody else involved. Yes. Uh, so what happens then is I will and Tom like to go with, uh, you know, having a really strong guitar basic track. So what I'll do is I'll flesh out the form, um, make sure everything's there. So I just record the guitar, you know, along with a click or maybe a drum machine. And then, um, you know, they set all the mics for the major guitar parts that goes down first and then I'll do a scratch melody but usually uh my scratch melodies wind up being um you know finished they, they like them a lot so uh so this particular one though I mean we wind up working about 12 to 13 hour days you know about four days straight you know because that was the only that was the window we had I mean it was a drill we usually we have a little bit more time to uh spend tracking stuff but this particular round went you know we had to move very quick because we had basically a window of about a month to get a finished product done whereas normally it's about six months to a year so because the cv kind of compressed everything and um there was a lot of first in this one um so we track at wills in vermont uh right outside brattleboro for the basics and then i i found a uh, studio up in Woodstock, New York, called um, Dreamland Studios. And Jerry Murata, he's a drummer. He managed it, manages it. And uh, so we wound up uh, tracking and doing all the overdubs there. I wanted to do uh, bass uh, and drums and percussion together because um, I wanted that feel. Will's place really can't accommodate that. And that's not really how he operates anyway. So this is a little bit of a push outside of his realm. We wind up in uh, um, Dreamland Studios and I uh, uh, called Tony Levin. That's that's Will's, you know, first line bass player. And he lived right outside of that where he lo- right, you know, the studios right down his office doorstep, you know, basically. So when Jerry heard that Tony was on it, then those two had worked together with, um, oh my God, I mean, Paul McCartney and I mean, their list of, of hours of tracking together and everything else and touring together with, you know, every major artist you could think of. I think Jerry may have started with Jackson Brown back, you know, when he started touring, but uh, um, he wound up with Peter Gabriel and both of them did a lot of Peter Gabriel stuff and Hollow uh-huh. Notes. Yeah, they, they've got a, the, the personnel on here is amazing. They're all you know top flight. They got Michael Mannering, did some tracks on bass. He's who I normally tour with. And then I uh, brought my singer and pianist up, uh, Lola Christine. She's from St. Louis, but is based in Saint, in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, Prameek Tubbs is on Woodwinds, and he even played lap steel on this. Great lap steel player and, uh, and sax player. And then uh, Jeff Haynes was on uh, percussion. 
you know, Jeff toured with Regina Carter, Pat Metheny, Al Jarreau. You know, he was the main guy for him for years, percussionist for him. The Pramik Tubbs, he's Santana. He started with John McLaughlin, actually. So I knew I'd, it's really weird, you know, because on Ether, you know, the solo he does on that, that's a beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, track. yeah. yeah. And there yeah. was something that, that triggered something. And I, I think I've probably heard something of what he's done with Santana. Yeah, he's a mainstay New York guy. And he's he's toured with, I mean, he tours with Sting, you know, that Rainforest thing when he was doing that. He oh. tours with James Taylor all the time. Uh, he, he goes a lot. He's, he's a great player, a great person too. Yeah. So how has lockdown been for you, the whole process of? the pandemic and um well i would say 2020 january february you know i was out on the road and we were on uh the whole ensemble i have an ensemble called new horizons ensemble that i tour with to play this music i mean we were playing music uh some of the music from this new album and also music from uh open waters and uh eagle mountain um we were on a very nice upward trajectory playing performing arts centers across the U S and then, uh, it got shut, you know, that basically halted, uh, by February. Um, we were done with our tour anyway. So by March, then, uh, you know, things were not looking good. And then there was talk cause he, I, I go to conferences a lot for performing arts centers, you know, to pick up gigs and that's where my agent is. And uh, so I showcase there. Those were all online last year. They're all going to be online again this year. So that was a very big hit. And, and all the, all the um, venues basically closed down for all of 2020. They didn't really know how to handle it. And uh, a lot of venues actually, you know, were shuttered. Their doors just closed. And, you know, I, there was some funding available for them, um, but I don't know how many of them survived. And right now they're still in lockdown and it pushed the whole schedule back two years. Okay. Cause you work two years in advance. Right. So if I, if I book a show, you know, concert, it's usually two years in advance from the date, one and a half to two years. That's the cycle they're on. So now everything is back, you know, backed up to 2022. It wouldn't be about 20 till 2022, 2024 before I would start seeing concerts again. You know, I need to find a new place to <laughs> new uh, create new venues anyway. I've always done that in the past. So, you know, there's always an audience. So in that sense, uh, the lockdown has affected me, but for in my business, but for me personally, I still have maintained the freedoms that I, I had. Okay, well, thank you so much. That's, it's been really interesting to talk to you and to, to sort of do a dive into the uh, into the album. Really, it's been great. I thought I'd play a, a bit from Earth and Sky. Yeah, that that's one of my favorite ones on the piece, and it, that one uses um, the electric Indian guitar, the acoustic Indian guitar, um, and also my uh, jazz guitar as well. Um, so the melody is layered with two different guitars on there. Um, that compositionally is a pretty tricky piece uh, form wise um, because I wanted to get earth, you know, the melody is down low and then the sky aspect is, is up high. You know, the melody goes up high, same melody. It's a little, you know, with guitar doubling. And I, 
I had to have a nice bridge in between that. And that was the tricky part to make it sound natural because it's an odd set of measures. And um, so, but that, I love that tune. It's, it's probably my favorite off the album. Okay. So can you talk to me about um, where the inspiration came from for Ether? Uh, that came from actually Naima. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, John Coltrane's Naima. I, I wanted to do an acoustic version of that, very slow, laid back, you know, pensive, thoughtful. And so, um, you know, I, I used all major seven. I was interpreting it as major seven chords because uh, Michael Mannering, you know, he did the bass line on part on it he calls up and goes hey Todd I'm going to use this tune for my uh one of my analysis I've never heard a tune that goes uses so many minor chords in a row like that I go oh that's interesting because I was thinking uh major seven but um (laughs) but uh anyway Jeff Haynes on percussion did uh um he spent so much time on that uh he he loved that tune and so he really uh shines and if you're listening to a uh a really good sound system um, oh my God, the, the bottom end of that drum he has, you know, it'll really test your sound system and, you know, the quality of it. Cause, uh, I got a, a reviewer wrote me and said, oh my God, <laughs> use that tune as an example that he was able to actually finally hear the low end on his speakers. And it's like, what the heck? So there's a lot of layers to this recording wise that you can dive in deep. And, um, it's, and then Will Ackerman, uh, is playing guitar on it as well. Yeah. features him as well so they they love that they, they really had fun playing it yeah it's a, it's a lovely tune great tune actually in general if you write music that musicians you know the ones you hire are going to enjoy playing on i mean that's half the battle of getting a decent recording i found you know if they dig the music then it's going to be you know they'll, they'll bring you know their best to it and everybody brought about 120 percent i mean jerry marotta he was in there listening to it you know oh no wait i can do this i can do i mean they just went over the top on it i don't know if it's because nobody had played for a while because everybody was you know all the gigs were canceled and stuff but uh but you know it helps it was it was, it was, it was a lot of fun and it was a well-needed break for everybody so that makes this recording pretty special because everybody hadn't been playing for a while because of that lockdown thing yeah fantastic thank you so much todd it's been great okay thanks hillary so i hope you enjoyed that conversation and it was great to talk to todd about specifically about ether which i'm going to play out with now so meanwhile thank you so much for joining me once again on harmonious world and get in touch with me on social media all the links are in the show notes
Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Harmonious World. My name is Hilary Seabrook and it's a great delight to bring this series of discussions with musicians and composers and writers and all sorts of people to you. Obviously, there's no point in having a podcast if people aren't listening and I'm very grateful to my listeners for doing so. Thanks also to Joe English for composing and performing this new theme tune. So wherever you get your podcast, you can leave a review. You can share this with your friends and family, either as a link or on social media and that sort of thing. I'd be really grateful for that. Don't forget that you can subscribe now. There's a link wherever you get your podcasts. So have a great week. And please remember why I started this, which is just to try and make the world a little more harmonious. Thanks for listening to Harmonious World.